Hey everyone, welcome back to Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am your host, Derek McDuff, and joining me I have a couple special guests. I have Matt from the Matt and Mark Movie Show. How's it going, Matt? Hello, thank you. Good to be here. Good to have you. And then also we have AJ from Genre Geeks. How's it going, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. This is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, I'm happy to have both of you guys. You know, um, I've been on both your guys' shows. We've done some podcast stuff together. And uh, I actually found, or AJ found me through Matt. And Matt, we found each other on on Reddit. So it's, it's not all this good collaboration. But we've never been all together recording at the same time. So I'm glad to get all of our three heads here together at once. And to talk about uh, this this movie, which is uh, had... A lot of discussion about it already. Um, yeah, so um, before we oh, get yeah. too much into it, um, I mean, I'm. Do uh, you guys want us to just kind of quickly tell us about uh, your your podcast real fast? Yeah, sure. AJ, do you, do you want to do you want to take the lead on this, sir? Uh, sure. Yeah, I can do it real quick. Uh, I'm AJ of Genre Geeks. We are a nerd pop culture podcast. Uh, we cover all forms of nerd pop culture, whether that be movies, games, comics. Uh, whether or not a bagel is just dense bread or its own artisanal choice. That's how we go <laughs> at Genre Geeks. Uh, I called it a nerdy news and shenanigans. So anything under the under the, that banner is is what you're going to get with us. And uh, I'm over at the Matt and Mark movie show. Um, we are just a movie podcast. Um, at least we aspire to be. Each week our show <laughs> seems to get a little more uh, off the rails. Uh, we do movie reviews, reactions. Um, it's always an interesting discussion, but inevitably, as a lot of these shows do, uh, we do we do fall into tangents. Um, but we, we review the big movies of the week, uh, and we do recommendations, and those are mostly older stuff. We do try to keep up with current series and stuff, so... Uh, we just did a whole we did a whole thing on Thor: Love and Thunder, but we're doing a whole episode on The Boys season three. So if you're oh, um, be into that, definitely hop in and, and check us out. It is it's a just to warn you, we're a spoilery show. We are a spoilery show, like right away, and we just rip the bandaid right off. Yeah, and that that reminds me, this right here is going to be a spoilery show. So if you haven't already seen Thor: Love and Thunder, pause the podcast. Come back, uh, go watch it, and then listen to the rest of this because we're going to be spoiling it all, and then we will be spoiling Miss Marvel in the back half of the show. Um, but yeah, you said you had already covered the show, AJ. You covered it on Genre Geeks as well, right? Uh, s- not yet. We have it booked for with the uh, Barrel Aged Flicks guys, but yeah, okay. uh, we're going to be covering that next week. So yeah, we're we're every, you know it's the podcast thing, big MCU movie. We all got to cover it. Yeah, yeah. I, I somebody Little sent rolls. me like a like a screenshot. And it was just like he's like, oh, I've got like thirty hours of like podcast talking about Thor: Love and Thunder to listen to. So this is I, an interesting I've, one to hear, though. Usually, it's everyone yeah. saying the same exact thing, but this seems to be more dynamic in terms of people's take on it. So I'm actually really interested to hear everyone's. Matt, I haven't gotten to hear yours yet, but I saw a little tease on your uh, on your Instagram that made me very intrigued. <laughs> yeah, um, we decided to stand in solidarity with Chris Hemsworth. We we were tired of men being objectified, uh, so we also uh, took our shirts off. We went shirtless for the episode. It's our first shirtless episode. And spoiler alert: we liked it so much that the boys season three episode we are also shirtless. So, <laughs> oh, wonderful! Prepare. And if you're at home, want to take your shirts off too? Just you know, feel free, man. Go for it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we stand in solidarity with you and uh, and poor Chris Hemsworth and uh, Daniel Craig and all the other people who've been objectified by the movies recently. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Somebody's got to say something. <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming back and talking about it again with me, um, or for the first time, because I know there's there's you guys are going to be talking about it a lot. Uh, I've talked about it a little bit on other podcasts. I've tried to steer clear of too much talk about it on other shows, uh, so I haven't really listened to any other podcast talking about it to go in as fresh as I could. But you know, there's still so many takes that are coming through off of like film Twitter and everything else, and uh, people are really angry about this movie. Like in a way that I'm honestly kind of surprised by. Uh, I want to hear though what you guys think of it. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll I'll jump off. Uh, I liked it. I'm fully aware of every flaw, and I don't argue against nearly any of them. But it's a it's a rom com superhero movie, and I watched it twice. I, I I liked it so much. I saw it by myself the first time, opening night in IMAX, and then my wife and I had a couple hours the other day, and I'm like, let's go watch that again. And she was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like it. I'm like, you will love it. It's a fun rom com superhero movie, and I'm aware of a lot of the problems. A lot of bad film problems, story problems, pacing problems. A lot of the jokes don't land. A lot of the performances are, or some of the performances are kind of. Eh. I enjoyed it though. By the uh, by, the end of this, even, second time, I enjoyed it even more. Second time. Nice, nice, Matt. How about you, dude? I I, I wish I could have gone on that date with AJ because maybe I would have had a better time <laughs> at Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, I did not have a good time at Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, and that is not to say. Um, that I dislike Taika Waititi or um, Taika Waititi's style or even Thor Ragnarok. I like all of these things. I'm a massive What We Do in the Shadows fan, both the movie and the TV mm. show. So going into this, I was excited and maybe my expectations were set too high because I I really thought it was just a gigantic mess. Um, nothing connected for me. It, it seemed at times, and we can get into this more later, but it seemed at times as if uh, the script is definitely my, my chief problem with the movie because it feels like someone making up a story as they're going along. Nothing is seated properly. There are decisions that make no sense. Characters are given business and then immediately just sort of forgotten or dealt away. Um, it all felt oddly cookie cutter, but then also just like like 52 pickup, like all these cards were on the floor. Um and so I was really disappointed and, and coming off of it. And I'm, and I'm not like a, like an anti-Marvel guy. Like I want your audience to know that I really love the MCU. Um, but I've really been having a tough time with phase four in general. And especially after multiverse of madness, which I did not enjoy. And now this I'm feeling really down on it, which, which sucks because I'm, I, I love the MCU. I want it. I want it to be great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's interesting. I think I'm probably a lot closer to AJ um, because I, I did also, though, come in with pretty high expectations. I'm a really big Taika fan, especially Thor Ragnarok is absolutely one of my favorite movies, like maybe my favorite movie in the MCU, which is saying a lot. Um, obviously, I like the MCU. Yeah. yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, I've also love uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, What We Do in the Shadows all bangers and i came into this one and i was like i was disappointed um but i was like okay maybe it's a four star instead of a five star for me um i did see all the problems but i think yeah it was kind of like a cheesy 80s rom-com uh there was a moment in it where he's like he's right behind me isn't he and i was like is that a joke or is he like making fun of that trope i really i kind of couldn't tell 
Um, so I, I feel like there was some stuff in that where I was like, oh, is this a, that, that was kind of representative of a lot of the movie where it was like, oh, this is kind of like poking fun at that style of like 80s, just kind of over the top action movie romance, but kind of embracing it at the same time. Um, and I think that may be why it was a little disjointed. Because like I said, I, I liked it, but there it did feel at times there was things going on that didn't exactly mesh together. And the weird thing is Tyke is usually so good at like jumping back and forth between, you know, something that is really like depressing and something is really funny. I think Jojo Rabbit does a great job of that. I think it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a movie about Nazis and the Holocaust, but there's still moments that are very fun and like exciting and you're just laughing with these characters and it never feels that tonal whiplash that I get from this one. But I and I still did love it. I still love the stuff where I think it was really interesting having Gore and Jane Foster have very parallel arcs where they are both these characters that are dying and have kind of lost faith. And it's just this magical weapon that is keeping them alive, but also draining their life and to see how their arcs kind of are opposite and what they each decide to do with this extra time that is given to them. Um, I like that Taika brings back a lot of the, people that he didn't bring back in Ragnarok, the people like Darcy and uh, Stellan Skarsgård and and even Lady Sif who like loses an arm and gets her like classic costume. I thought all that was great. I thought mm-hmm. Russell Crowe was fucking incredible. Like I was so <laughs> down with his just like ridiculous over the top just like, "Oh, yes. It's a me, Azus." And then of course you get to see his performance as Wado from Phantom Menace. He was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, Watto, looking, looking better than ever. <laughs> but then, you know, you get to see Roy Kent at the end, so I'm excited for, you know, in the next Avengers movie or whatever it might be, just to he- hear him, like, call, like, he'll be like, Thor's such a fucking Muppet, or whatever he might say. So I'm excited for all that. So overall, mm-hmm. mixed bag, but I-, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I didn't. But, you know, that kind of leads me to the next point, which is, I don't know if you guys are really on twi- film Twitter and all that stuff that much, but this movie is, like I kind of alluded to before, getting an absolute trouncing from, like, everybody. People are not just being like, oh, I'm kind of lukewarm. People are like, this is horrible. This is the worst thing the MCU's ever done. There's people who's, like, film people who I respect a lot on Twitter that are just, like, bashing the shit out of this movie. And I'm like... I get the complaints. I, I don't get the level of, like, Rise of Skywalker vitriol that is being directed at this thing. And I don't know if you guys had any ideas or theories about why this is happening. Well, I you're certainly you're... making me I'm feel sorry, bad about it because um, <laughs> I, I hate film Twitter and I don't want to agree with film Twitter ever. <laughs> so now that I know I agree with that, I have to rethink some shit and get back on the positive side of this movie. Um, I think... I think that people, you know, I'm not going to pretend to understand the the brain worms that live inside of film Twitter and and why they think a certain way. But I just think that after what, what is this, 29 movies, I think Mm -hmm. we all come into each of these with a very different set of expectations. And I think that um, I think probably the majority of the complaints you're probably hearing are more about those expectations. And then the larger picture of the MCU and where it's headed versus my very nitpicky, gripey screenwritery problems with the movie. I'm willing yeah, to cause I get everything you're saying. Yeah. You yeah. know, what's funny is I feel like this is 
the way, and I fully, this was a, like, hey man, love what you love. Because I fully felt like this, I feel like people are finally getting where I was with both Ant-Man movies, because like, I unabashedly love both Ant-Man movies, and people look at me like I am insane. And so now I feel like, look, I see the faults, I see the weirdness, I see the, the plot conveniences and contrivances in those movies, but I'm a big heist movie guy, and I love capers, mm. and I love Paul Rudd. And if you don't love Paul Rudd, what are you doing? But also, <laughs> I get it. Like, I get that you are recognizing these problems. I guess what I'm saying is, I know, I've been there. You recognize the issues, but you don't care because you're having such a good time. I want to be where you guys are with this. But I'm saying, yeah. I know, the Ant-Man fans recognize. We recognize where, you, where, you, where you're coming from. Yeah, I, again, I... I'm fully aware of the problems with this movie. And even as I was watching it, the first, you know, the opening bit, I'm like, oh, wow, his whole origin. That's right here before the Marvel logo. We have his entire origin story uh, for, for gore. And like, I really like the movie. I don't say I love the movie. I think I gave on Letterboxd, I gave it three and a half, which I feel is, it is good. It's still pretty mm-hmm. darn good. And I think that people, they complain about, the, the complaint about the MCU is like they're all basically the same now. They have the Marvel humor, air quotes. It's paint by numbers. And yet, and this alludes to both topics that we're covering on this episode, they are up in arms and want to burn trash cans anytime they break that formula and they do something different. I think people want, especially when it's one of the big guys like Thor, Cap, Iron Man, they want Thor to move the MCU in the direction of whatever this phase is supposed to be about, you know, whether that be multiverse or Kang or all that other stuff, they don't expect this movie to just be a fun, pretty isolated movie. I mean, it still does the Marvel thing of, Hey, cameo guy, here's your Harry styles and here's your Hercules and everyone that's, you know, I think that if you drop that expectation of moving the MCU and like, it's just, it's a fun movie where don't people don't pretend like people need to stop pretending they like Thor. No one gave a crap about Thor before Ragnarok. (laughs) They were bored about him. I've read comics for years. Never liked Thor. I like Taika Waititi's Thor. And so this movie delivered more, less than more on what I wanted. It's Taika humor. It's some of the, coolest visual stuff i've seen in the mcu in terms of originality and we can definitely get into that uh later like there's just such cool uh imaginative direction that this movie was given that no other director would have chosen to do and i'm that's why i'm such a taika watiti fan is just it's it's this it's his acts his flavor his little accent that he puts on the movie that worked for me and so if it wasn't for Taika, I think I would be significantly lower on this movie. But because I bite his humor, I completely understand it and I love it and I relate to it. That's what I wanted and that's what I got. I mean, not every single Marvel movie needs to be a 10. You know, a, a you know, six to mm-hmm. a seven and a half is more than acceptable for me for the MCU. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It reminds me a lot of like a phase one Marvel movie before they really like a pre-avengers marvel movie where it's like okay thor is just gonna do his adventure over here in the desert and like hulk's gonna go smash harlem or whatever it's gonna be and i think yeah people have been so trained to be like okay well what's the next thing that they are getting very angry that this doesn't have like a big cameo or whatever and just like oh here's you know kang shows up and like i'll do it myself so i am i'm i personally like that we are getting some isolated stuff before everything is of course going to come together and we're going to get secret wars or whatever this new 
thing of Marvel post-Infinity War ends up being, I'm glad for a little bit we just get to live in it and have some more character-focused stories. Because this was a very, very character-focused story. I thought, you know, it was a very much about Thor and Jane and then Gore. Although Gore does kind of feel like he's in a different movie. I, I, yeah. I love Christian Bale's performance, but he's in a totally different movie than everyone else. And maybe a better movie that I would have watched, but yeah. But he's not the only one, Derek. Everybody is in a different movie in this movie, and that is my chief complaint. Jane Foster is in the cancer movie. Okay. Gore, the God Butcher, is in his own movie. And by the way, I can't take credit for this. My co-host said this on our show. I think I need a if Joaquin Phoenix, get out of here. I need a Christian Bale Joker movie. That's what I need. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that guy is in his own movie. Then we've got Thor kind of in a few different movies. When he goes to Omnipotent City and pisses the gods off, that could have been its own movie. That feels like its own movie. Um, his little tour at the beginning with the Guardians, the Asgardians of the Galaxy, that could have been its own movie. And maybe that was the problem because I started to recognize, like, oh, man. It was almost like a kitchen sink. I was like, there are too many different movies, and they all sort of seem to be warring with each other. And I wanted to watch each of those movies separately, but I did not want to watch them together. Like, when he was... Th this movie felt like it was in a giant rush. It was like... Hey, we're going to hurry up. He's with the Guardians. Now he's done. Boom, it's over. We're off to Jane. Jane's going to be, yep, and now she's Lady Thor. And then, oh, and here comes Gore. It was just like in a quick, 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 quick pace to check these things off the list. And I wanted to spend more time, like, I don't know about you, but I mean, clearly you guys enjoyed the movie a lot more than I did, but I wanted to much rather be watching the As Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That's what I wanted. I was having such a good time with that open and Thor doing like the split and like battling guys. Like it, it, it felt like the best parts of Ragnarok. Like it's got mm -hmm. that intense visual palette. You've got the really fun, ironic needle drop. You've got the funny action like that. It all came together for me. That was my favorite bit in the movie. And then it's over before it starts. It was like, oh, that ship leaves. Okay. Well, then I sort of got interested in the Jane storyline. And, and I got, and, and I want to say this quickly too. I'm not against, I'm not one, please, if you're listening to me and you don't know me, don't let me in with the trolls who are like against Natalie Portman. I don't care that Jane is Thor. That's great. I like that when it's fun. And this movie, it's such a bizarre choice to bring Jane Foster back only to doom her to a cancerous death and to suck all the fun out of her action. Every time she wields that hammer to know it's sucking the life out of her, it like it robs the fun of those scenes. And I don't know if it was the way she was directed, but like it's a di very different version of Jane Foster. She's acting more awkward. She's acting like another Taika Waititi character in like another Taika Waititi show or something. Um because she's like the whole thing with her needing a catchphrase, it all just felt very weird. It felt like it was like, "Oh, we sense that it's sad with the cancer thing. We need to make it funny. And it just felt like a weird band-aid to me. And it would suck all the fun out of her out of her big scenes. You know, I was kind of just excited to see her like kick ass. And um and I felt kind of robbed in, in that way, you know? I think I think you're right. And that's actually a big complaint I have is I don't think every actor can do the Taika Watiti movie. They just don't have like I, I love Natalie Portman as a you know dramatic actress and she's actually been in a few you know funnier eh, funnyish movies. I don't think she's got that kind of sharp wit to herself that works with a Taika movie. All of her little bits like her like like oh uh, catchphrase uh, uh, here comes my hammer like it just it felt cringy as opposed to like oh it's like this is the riffy kind of 
improv type funny. And if that was the bit they were going for with her, they succeeded. I didn't care for that personally because I just I don't like I don't think she worked. I thought Lady Sif just didn't have the late the comedic timing that that scene like her bit. I saw it twice and no one laughed either time. I saw it opening night. No one laughed on Lady Sif. Like, why bring Sif back for uh, Melissa McCarthy had more screen time than Sif? Why? Because people like me were throwing a fit after Ragnarok and and stuff. We're like, where is she? And I'm like, she's in that show, right? She isn't she in that whatever TNT type drama show? We gotta get Melissa McCarthy in the movie first. That's more important. (laughs) Yeah, I just I don't think everyone has that Taika, you know, skill set. And so I think yeah, I I agree with you. And I think someone said this. I I can't take credit. I don't even know who to give credit to. This felt like the first draft of an amazing movie where yeah. all they had to do was just polish and cut a few bits out. You know, the whole bit on the rainbow on the bridge where they're walk, they go to a Nipiton city and they're walking and it's that bit with Natalie Portman and talking with Thor, cut that bit out. Didn't work. It was awkward. It was, hmm. there's a few things that this movie could have tightened up on, but like I said, yeah, for, this was a, a first to second draft of what could have been the greatest Thor thing we've ever seen. Okay. I mean, yeah, all, all, I mean, you guys are all right about that. Just one other point I wanted to touch on before we kind of move on to Miss Marvel is that something I've complained a lot about uh, on this show is the way I feel like MCU movies have this third act that kind of lets you down. And because, it, and it happens, especially with like something like WandaVision, where it's like really cool, really interesting, and then the end is just like sky fight with lasers. And this, you know, there is a big fight at the end, but that's not what the climax is. The climax is, okay, Gore still is about to win, and Thor just kind of turning around and being like, hey, I'm just going to spend these last moments with a person that I love. Why would I spend them talking to you? And that's what wins in the end. It's not about punching or whatever the hardest. And that was like, for example, Shang-Chi. It was so good, so interesting. All there's all this emotional investment with him and his dad, and his dad dies, and it just becomes like, oh, we've got to be the dragon. There's all the interesting emotional work that's been done is gone. Whereas this ended with that really strong, at least for me, emotional punch. Um, did it affect you guys in the same way, or how did what did you think of that kind of ending? I I liked the ending a lot, and and I think that's real the, the big divisive part. I love the whole wolf and cub type bit i love thor getting a daughter i think that's it's great and it's pushing thor as a character into places i never would have thought watching thor one back in 2011 uh but like i said just messy in terms of like when massing the script i didn't know that uh that gore was dying at the end and so then when christian bale just says i'm dying i'm like oh that's news to me okay (laughs) had no idea you could have letting us know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't work for me, but I, I liked it. And I I'm happy because what I was predicting the whole <clears throat> predicting the whole time, especially when the big pillar falls on the kids, I'm like, let me guess the kids are going to die. And then Thor has to make the wish. And instead of saving Natalie Portman, he's going to wish the kids back. I'm like, I get it. They don't do that. And I'm like, I appreciate you for not doing that. Awesome. Thank you. There are some of the trolls out there that can be like, why didn't gorgeous wish that no one died blah, blah, blah. That, I think it was messy, but it served a purpose that I liked. I like Thor getting adopting the daughter of his enemy. I just think that is complete. It completely follows through with the theme of this movie of love, choosing mm-hmm. love over blank, of over violence, over revenge, over this, this, and that. 
it makes no sense as a Viking warrior, you know, space god to have mercy, to not die fighting like Valhalla, all that stuff. Instead, he's choosing to peacefully be with the woman that he loves as she's dying and he could die and then adopt the daughter of his enemy. It just, to me, it's beautiful. And I, I love the idea of it. Execution could have been polished a bit, though. Mm. Um, I don't, again, I'm sorry to be the negative person on this <laughs> show. Go, bro. Sorry to everyone at home. I'm negative, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I have to say, I hate the ending and didn't emotionally connect with it at all. And I'll tell you why. Lone Wolf and Cub is cool, but everyone is doing this now. <laughs> Mandalorian is doing this. Obi-Wan is doing this. And now Thor is made to do this. And my chief complaint with this is twofold. One, um, there's no consistency with this. Thor never mentions prior, any in any of his solo movies or in any of his team-up movies, we've never once heard Thor say, I want to be a dad. I just want to have a family. I just want to do this. And it just comes out of nowhere. I was like, when he first said that to Jane, I was like, where's this coming from? Um, I don't think that that it, it, it felt like it was just totally added on to justify the idea and the title, because by the end, when it's like him with the little girl and he's like, you better eat your pancakes or whatever. I was like, what is this? Like, we've never seen him act this way. We've never seen him aspire to do something like this. By the way, that little girl, I, and it's no shade on her. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the little girl's acting. I think kid acting is sort of off the table. They're kids. They're trying. They're professionals. It sucks. It's hard. <laughs> but she's not been doing, you know, she's not been done any favors by the script or Taika Waititi, because I think for a scene like that to work, for me, it takes a little bit more um, from that character for me to care. I wish we would have gotten then a couple more scenes to establish her as her own person before trying to understand her as Thor's stepdaughter or love to his thunder. Like, again, it felt like something that was tacked on at the end just for the sake of being like, we need this title to make sense. And we also need to, um, everybody likes Mandalorian and Obi-Wan has little baby Leia. We need to make sure that Thor walks away from this with a little kid. Uh, it just felt, it feels homogenized. It feels dishonest to the character. Again, somebody, ca please catch me if I'm wrong. Like, in the comments, somebody tell me, like, if you, if in some other movie you've heard Thor say he can't wait to be a dad, I would love for you to point me to that movie uh, because I don't think it exists. So I, I that was my big problem with that. Also, I do think I know AJ um, was like Eternity. Okay, sure, you can hand wave Eternity all you want, but that speaks to a much larger problem, not just for this movie, but movies we've already seen in the MCU. This creates a canon problem. If a character like Eternity exists and is that easy to portal to and get to, why weren't characters trying to go to Eternity to stop the snap or stop Thanos or do any number of things? It's making, it's like retroactively harming the canon of these other major MCU events. Um, I think it's too weird and too um, all-powerful, too omniscient a concept to just include to like the button ending of your Thor sequel. You know what I mean? Like that feels yeah, like it yeah. needs to be a big deal and they should have avoided it. I, I, I will only argue with you on one point because I agree with everything you said except for like the plot felt clunky to me. It did feel like here's this MacGuffin that why has no one gone after before. The one thing though that did work for me is it felt it worked for me as with Thor's character and it felt like hit part of his natural arc because Thor when he starts 
is even though he's thousands of years old and this is only like you know 20 10 15 years whatever um so it's a small portion of his life you still see him grow so much over the course of all of these movies and thor has been always a character he's always been my favorite avenger in the movies like i know a lot of people like aj were saying didn't care about thor before ragnarok uh, I was one of the few weirdos who really did, and I fucking love Thor The Dark World. Like, I am ride or die. Like, me and Alan are always joking that we're going to cover it on Underrated. I, I goddamn love that movie. I know that. That one's where I'm like, I know it's not great, but I still fucking love it. Um, Good for you. <laughs> but I, I just love seeing his arc, and especially him in Endgame is one of my favorite things, because you see how, like, absolutely low he was, and how, like, depressed he was and you know that movie came out a little bit before the pandemic and you know i was at a pretty low time during the pandemic and just feeling like i had lost a lot of things and just like things weren't great in the world and then when thor has that moment in endgame when he gets the hammer he says i'm still worthy you know it really meant a lot to me and i'm really glad that we got to see kind of thor after having him seen on the seen him on the downswing have him you know and have him he lost everything he killed thanos but he he got you know, he let himself go. You know, I'm the same thing. I kind of actually, you know, lost a lot of weight like around the same time that, uh, you know, after Endgame and stuff. And we're pushing tires around and stuff. <laughs> Something like that. Or maybe, you know, I just decided to jog a little bit, but whatever. It's all the same. <laughs> but, you know, to see him kind of on the upswing and to see him end in not a place of like, ah, oh, where do I go next? Or like, ah, oh, that was rough, but I'm good. To end, have him actually come to terms with everything. He got his love back, and he, he was able to have these last moments with the great love of his life, Jane Foster, and to end with this new meaning and this new purpose with a kid in his life and to have someone there to love, it really worked for me. And AJ's right, the execution might have been a little bit clunky, but the idea behind it sold it so much, and Chris Hemsworth's acting was so good, that part really worked for me can we quickly touch i want to quickly touch on two things if you don't mind mm -hmm. can we please talk about both post-credit scenes first don't think i'm gonna let you mention roy kent without calling out a fellow fellow ted lasso fan okay <laughs> excellent <laughs> literally my wife loves chris hemsworth she loves Th everybody's wife loves thor fyi everybody's wife loves chris hemsworth okay <laughs> but who she loves even more my wife is Roy Kent. And my wife didn't go see this movie with me. And I came home and I said, listen, the movie was terrible. But if there is a reason for you to see this movie, it is that fucking Roy Kent shows up and he's Hercules. And when Roy Kent showed up, all I could hear was he's here, he's there, he's ever fucking where Roy Kent, Roy Kent. <laughs> um, yep. yeah, based on that alone, if you're a Ted Lasso fan, maybe it's worth you going to check this out in the cinema. I do want to touch on the other thing. Though. So much better than it's, Harry Styles or like Charlie's Theron. Like, yes, those are, they're cool, but they're not Roy Kent. Not Roy Kent, right? Because as you said earlier, you want Zeus to tell Roy Kent something and for Roy Kent to go, fuck no. You want him to be mad and be Roy Kent because he's awesome. Okay. There's a solid and, Roy and Kent. And right this is a giant commercial for Ted Lasso. If you haven't seen Ted Lasso, <laughs> please stop what you're doing and go watch it. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. The other thing I want to talk about, though, is, okay, you mentioned talking about getting to have that final moment with Jane Foster. And I agree. That was great. But you know what undercuts that, man, is when they cut to Valhalla later, after the post credits, and you see Natalie Portman there with Heimdall. And I'm like, you see? 
It's like Kevin Feige wants to have his cake and eat it too. Like, can't you just let us have the tragedy of this person being gone for X amount of time? Now what's going to happen? We're going to be able to cut to Valhalla whenever we want. So Natalie Portman can just show up willy-nilly. It's almost like she's not even gone. It's like modern movies forgot that, like, it's okay to kill characters. It's basically, it's okay. It's like, if you're going to kill characters, have the courage to have them just be dead. Don't Jon Snow them. Don't bring them back. Don't don't cut back to Valhalla. Like, don't do that. Or, here's something. Don't kill your character and let them live. And let them live on and have a nice, happy life. Uh, I don't think you can have both. I don't think you can, like, give put us, the audience, through the, the tension and the stress and the agita of seeing that character die, only to bring them back five minutes later. I, I talked about it on my show as the equivalent of, like, the modern encore at a rock show. Used to be you'd go to a rock show... The encore, the band would disappear for 15 minutes, you're in the dark chanting, then they come back out. Now, have you noticed the modern encore is like a minute long, if that. No one pretends <laughs> anymore. They step off stage, they don't even turn the house lights on to trick you. They're like, they're back in a minute. It's the same thing. Marvel's doing the same thing. They, they want the glory of the final number of the kill of the character, and they don't even want to leave you in the, in the suspense. They're going to immediately bring them back out in a minute later. And so it, it kind of sucks. It, it sucks the stakes out for me a little bit. I wish I they didn't go back to that. I won't argue with you on your overall point, but the way I took it, and I might be wrong, you might be right, is that that was like, that was like, this is it. This was the final button. Like, getting to see, it's like, she is in Valhalla. She is dead. She is not coming back. I mean, I might be completely off, but I took it as like, that to me was the equivalent of, spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen the last James Bond movie, uh, of James Bond seeing the missiles come at him. It's just like, boom, this guy is dead. And for me, it was like, yeah, Jane Foster is dead. She's in the afterlife now. You're not coming back from Valhalla. I mean, maybe they'll Eric, find a way around it. I, ho I Eric, hope I, I hope I'm right. I might be wrong. And then after Daniel Craig saw the missiles and the credits passed, they cut to Daniel Craig in heaven. And he's like, oh, what'd you think? I was going to be dead? Oh, let me just get my martini from Jesus. Like, <laughs> then you'd be like, so why kill him It probably would have been a better movie. That was a terrible movie, but. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see James Bond ordering a martini in heaven. Right? That would be cool. I don't, AJ, uh, you missed us totally uh, vamping and loving and praising uh, Ted Lasso. It turned into a giant Ted Lasso commercial. There you go. We need the, the positive balance to it. It's fine. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason to get down to Apple TV. I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's right. I, that's why what sucked me in. But then I was like, oh, wait, there's a show about dinosaurs. What's this show? Uh, what's this show uh, about like people like forgetting half their memories? Oh, what's this other one about like the space us losing the space race? And now I'm just like totally sold on Apple Plus. <laughs> like they got me. <laughs> they, they got me. That's awesome. But uh, <laughs> uh, any any final thoughts on Thor Love and Thunder here before we kind of move on to Miss Marvel? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, there was a lot of creative stuff in this movie that I really liked. Like the, we saw the clip a thousand times because of the promotion. It was so strange. They waited so long to drop a trailer. And then between that trailer, they then show us everything in the movie. Uh, how imagine how hype you would have been if we would have seen Jane Foster, the mighty Thor that revealed just in the theater, but they had to show that money shot in the trailer. Mm -hmm. But what I really liked was the follow-up bit that I just, it's so imaginative to me with the broken Mjolnir when it's like scatter shots apart and then takes out all the monster things and comes back and that, how that ends up playing a role at the very end. I thought that was so cool. I thought this movie did more scary wise than all of Dr. Strange tried to do. 
I think the shadow monsters was incredible with the way the, the shadows creeped across. I liked the, the, that jump scare where Gore is walking towards Thor and it's just something about the, the, the cadence of it. It just, it, I saw it twice expecting it and it still got me that second time. Uh, I thought that was really, really cool. I really, I mean, it's kind of obvious the big Scott Snyder scene, you know, with the, the black and white high contrast. I love, I'm a yeah. sucker for that. I thought that was so stylish and so cool the way certain colors, like whether it be Zeus's thunderbolt or when uh, Thor started like powering up with his eyes and stuff, how they would pop up in color. I just, I'm, that whole scene worked for me. I thought that was incredible. I'll take that back. Parts of the parts of it were a little goofy with Gore doing his monologue and then he like pushes Jane back and then he just pulls her back with, uh, with Valkyrie. And he's like, no. so I'm like, why'd you push her back? If you were just going to pull her back, did you, <laughs> but like I said, I think this stylistically, these choices from Taika Waititi worked for me. And so that's why I, uh, I really enjoyed those parts of the movies and they, they made me forgive some of the more obviously sloppy parts uh, of the movie. Yeah. Um, my my final thoughts on on uh, Thor Love and Thunder are, um, I mean, look, I could gripe all day. And if you're interested in hearing more complaints about this, definitely check us out on our show. Um, <laughs> but I will say one thing. Um, I hope Axel Rose is happy because now we're <laughs> all stuck with his catalog all the time. We can't just have one or two Guns N' Roses now. Now we've got to have eight Guns N' Roses songs in our Guns N' Roses tribute movie. <laughs> I hope it was worth it, Axel. Um I don't know about you guys. None of those music drops worked for me. I, I feel like these are bargain basement music drops. They should elicit an easy emotion out of you right away. None of them worked. Um, especially Welcome to the Jungle, which should just be so easy. Um, but just kind of felt like it landed, in, at least in my showing, with a big thud. Um, I'll just say I think that um, this movie was a, a big disappointment for me. I'm happy for people who are loving it and discovering it and, and finding, you know, finding love and thunder in spite of, of all the, the, the story problems. Um, I wish I could be amongst you, uh, <laughs> but I'm not, um, I look forward to, but you know what that said, I look forward to both Taika Waititi's next movie. And I look forward, especially to the next season of what we do in the shadows, which I think just came out today. Um, and I look forward mm -hmm. to the next Thor movie. Why not? Yeah. Here's a question for you, though. Do you think this would have worked better, Matt, as a Disney Plus series with Taika, you know, directing the show in like six episodes or so and basically cutting this movie up into what you said, the different movies that you felt were in it? The, the nerd in me says yes. The logical human being in me says, Jesus, no, no more MCU shows there that we have enough. <laughs> I only have so much time in the day. There are other shows and other networks. It's, it's Kevin Feige's killing me. Now I got to watch Echo because Daredevil and Kingpin are in it. I wasn't going to watch. I was happy to walk away. Then he brought them back because he knows I'm going to come back. <laughs> it's too much. Already. Yes. The, the nerd in me says, I do think it would have been as even with a limited six maybe six to eight episode run. I think you could have done a lot more because like these, these quick ideas that they're just shuffling through for scenes, like that whole bit in omnipotent city was amazing. That could have been a whole two episode arc in That's and of itself. Thinking, here, yeah. It feels like a quick throwaway all just for them to get a lightning bolt that they barely use at the end of the movie. I was like, why waste? You have all this fantastic set dressing. Why are we wasting it? Why are we rushing through it? Um, you know, same deal for um, the Shadowverse, the Shadow Realm. 
that could have been a whole arc. You know, I would, there was a great bit. I did like that. I'm not all negative on the movie. There was one bit I liked and it was the George Melies trip to the moon reference where the <laughs> ship hits the, the planet yeah. and you hear the goat leading out. Right. Um, by the way, they they did kind of steal that from Rick and Morty, but it's fine. Uh, it was still funny. <laughs> a lot of MCU um, writers are Rick and Morty writers, interestingly enough. Yeah, I'm starting to see it's bleeding. I'm starting to see the crossover real yeah. hard now. If if Thor starts belching and having a drinking problem in the next movie, I think we've got an issue. <laughs> I think yeah, it's gonna be a little see, more obvious. See pickle Groot or something coming out. Guardians. <laughs> 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 No, that's really interesting, though. I, I, and then you could do, uh, you would do a gore episode. I think it would be really good. Um, so I think that's not a bad idea. Um, I really but think that would be to do with your Marvel series. Like, you know, instead of giving us C and D tier heroes, why don't you just like do the flip? Give us a show that's all about a villain. Just show us someone else's point of view. You know, even like I mean, um, they did make Loki. Well, but he's he's an anti-hero. He's safe right. to like. Fucking give me somebody he's hard, ever. He's hardly a villain at this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I like love Gore, dude. Or even give me something like give me a workplace comedy in the Department of Damage Control. Give me like something. They tried to make that on ABC. Yeah, they did. They did. Really? Yeah, who was it in was that? Like a, I think there was Vanessa a Hudgens film. and what's her Danny? What's his face? Abed was cast in it. I love Abed. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. There a Department of Damage Control show with Abed? There I was they, they tried it never got off the ground. I don't know if they yeah. sh actually shot the pilot, but they were trying to get it going. This was like the pre when like Marvel TV was still its own separate thing. It was going to be like an ABC like Modern Family style like sitcom, pretty much. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm it did not. I, I I don't think the pilot got picked up, but I 100 percent can I can see the the poster in my head when they were trying to promote it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Abed and Vanessa Hudgens were, guys were right. It's well. called powerless. Powerless is the name of the show, but it is about it's about uh, an insurance company who specializes in products to protect defenseless bystanders from the collateral damage of superheroes and supervillains. That sounds so cool. Like to me, <laughs> the MCU Wait. has become it's become the thing that I like about Star Wars, which is like Mandalorian works so much. The world is now interesting. So I yeah. want to see what it's like to just be a dude in the MCU. And that's what yes. I mean, kind of dipping a little bit into what Miss Marvel is. I love seeing that where we're in the shoes of people on the streets dealing with these gods and stuff flying around. So I really I think that could uh, I think that could be really cool. I think they're yeah, pushing well, for that, too, with that new the, damage control bit they're doing. Yeah, I'm curious to see if they'll do anything now with damage control because they've, they've got a lot of mentions to them. But I think that is a perfect way to segue kind of into our talk about Miss Marvel, which just wrapped up today um, you know, as we're recording. So it'll be yesterday when the episode's out. Um, but what did you guys think of Miss Marvel as a show overall? Um, I, I want to just say, I was, look, you've heard me bitch and gripe on this whole show, and I'm sorry. But I just <laughs> want to come out and surprise everybody and tell you, this show is a breath of fresh air, and I'm glad it exists. <laughs> All right. I'm prepared. <laughs> Listen, I was out there like the angry nerd that you know, and I was ready to hate on this. I was ready to not care and not be invested, and I've been invested every week. And I think it's because, although, if these are, you know what? No, I'm just going to be positive. I'm not even going to say my nitpicks. <laughs> hey, it's refreshing in more ways than one, tonally especially. Yes. Love that tone. Going for mm -hmm. here. 
feels different, feels fresh. That's what I like. And I also, um, you know, the, 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 the human in me likes to see another side of life I'm not as familiar with, which I think is pretty cool. So I was pleasantly surprised. Um, and I hope I, I know it's making me a little sad that it's it's not doing well. But I think it's rated high enough, and they don't give a shit. They're just gonna bring them back, right? There's no way they're yeah, not Marvel. Gonna bring back. They 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 can make any. They made fucking an Eternals movie and didn't make any money. They were just like, whatever. We're gonna keep making this shit. So yeah. Like, and they still get brought it back, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah. Turtles made a shit ton of money, just not by MCU standards, but still. So yeah, yeah, this is probably a popular show, just not by like crazy Marvel standards. Yeah, yeah. I, I also uh, enjoy it. I will also out myself. I binged half of it today because, <laughs> like, like Matt said, there's just too much crap to watch, and so <laughs> I, I put the boys out, and then I covered Obi Wan, so I had to binge that to cover it, and then I had Jurassic World, and then it, like, there's just there's too much stuff. Only Murders in the Building dropped. There's too much stuff to watch. And so Miss Marvel, unfortunately, took a backseat to that. But I really liked it. This is not hyperbolic. It's my favorite visual Marvel thing that we've seen wow. in terms of style. Just because, like the complaint I mentioned with Thor, where you know, we're seeing the same kind of thing. This felt, especially the first... At first, for sure, and then maybe the second and third episode felt very Scott Pilgrimy to me in terms of like yeah. how animated and how snappy the editing was. Felt very Edgar Wright. I so I I'm a sucker for that. So I'm a how creative like because think how many times have we seen a text conversation and then you see the big you know iPhone half of the screen and you see typing. It was so imaginative with even a text message that yeah. I. I loved it. the The camera work in it all was just, especially the first uh, episode. There's the scene where Kamala's talking to her. I think it was the guidance counselor or something. And the camera does that bit where it pulls in and then it splits into the two different uh, yeah. close ups. I was like, I actually paused it and watched it back to see if I can spot like the cut. It's insane. And so this this move this show, hands down, is my favorite visual thing that MCU has done. Yeah, I think that. you're absolutely right. Um, you know, with the Scott Pilgrim vibes also, you know, kind of remind me of like a live action into the Spider-Verse kind of vibes with all the the way mm -hmm. that you know, comic booky kind of stuff on the screen done in a really interesting creative way that nothing else in the MC was really doing. I think that, you know, kind of alluding to what we we're talking about before with Thor, like would it have worked better as a show when you do have that more serious episode where they go back in time and it's like telling this like story and it's about and it's kind of this like story about like the partition between India and Pakistan and this you know family trauma and all this stuff it's done in a very different style than the rest of the show and you can do that as just one episode and it doesn't feel disjointed and I loved all of that I loved all of the characters I thought Camilla Khan was such an interesting cool villain I loved all of her family her friends um, I'm really glad we got to see Armis Knight show up in this who is I'm a really big fan of that show, Into the Badlands, and I thought he was, like, he was such a little shit on that, but he was always great, and to see him kind of show up in the MCU, I was like, holy shit, I haven't seen this guy in a minute, I know that's, like, a random show that me and, like, three other people ever watched, so, you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to anyone else, but it was really cool to, to me, um, also, you know, I always am obviously a really big fan of when they can, you know, have some other kind of representation. I thought it was really cool seeing some, you know, South Asian representation. Uh, my best friend, um, his dad is from India. So, like, I was, like, I caught a lot of the things, like, you know, of the culture and stuff like that. I thought it was really cool. Um, 
you know, seeing it's always cool seeing a culture that isn't your own um, represented in a big way like this and getting a peek behind the curtain, I guess. Um, yeah, some cool stuff with the powers. Um, honestly, you know, because I know it diverged a little bit from the book or with the comic books, I guess she, she's not an inhuman. They kind of hint that she's a mutant with him saying the line about her being a mutant and then getting that little bit of the X-Men 90s riff. That pop. That, yeah, that that did that it for me. Great. I threw my yeah. hands up. I was like, yeah. I was not prepared for this. But also, and I, I was laughing. I was like, they are trying so hard to bury that Inhuman. If they could bury every copy of the Inhuman pilot, you know, Kevin Feige sitting on those, like like the ET video mm -hmm. game in the New Mexico desert. Yep. He's just trying to get rid of them all. He's doing they everything brought, he can. They brought Black Bolt back. That's because they were doing that, and then they, that's what blew my fucking mind more than anything about Doctor Strange is that they were like, here's fucking Anson Mount from that show. And I was like, mm -hmm. God damn, good for you. That was like maybe my favorite thing of the whole multiverse of madness. But yeah, like they're definitely like going in a very different direction from the Inhumans and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I just loved it. Um, I thought it was a cool show that had those 80s kind of teen vibes mixed with the superhero stuff um, and all the great aesthetics. Um, you know, it was it felt like the exact right length too. It wasn't too long. It didn't overstay its welcome. Like some of the older Netflix Marvel shows, it was like this could have been eight episodes, could have been six episodes, and this was just right there in the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems they've kind of settled on this six-episode run, right? But like mm -hmm. sometimes that's to the detriment. Like for this, it felt nice and tight. Like to me, all the character interactions in this, all the scene setups, all the dynamics – and the episode and the series length of six episodes, the series, the season length, it all feels nice and tight and controlled. But like, it's also a hindrance to something like Hawkeye. I was having such a good time with the Hawkeye series. I could have had another four episodes of that. Um, Loki, I think, is also another show that could have benefited that first season as good as it was, I think could have benefited from another two episodes, something like that. So I hope that Disney or Marvel or whoever can you know, I hope that there's some wiggle room in, in the in the future. I hope we can kind of just say, yeah, you know what? If it needs to be nine episodes or some odd number, it can just be nine episodes. You know, like, I hope they don't get stuck on this six, this pack of six. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it should it should come down to the story. And this what like I said, it felt tight. Like it didn't feel like there were any really was wasted episodes or filler episode type yeah. things. Everything served its purpose well and flowed really well into each other, too. Like I, I said, I binged the last three episodes it didn't, it felt like nothing time flew by watching those episodes. And I was extremely excited, you know, dipping into the fifth episode. Like I just, it, the lead into that was just super cool too. Uh, I will say as a, as a diehard comic guy. So my two loves are movies and comics. I will actually say, and this is going to be controversial because I'm, it's the, not the purest in me. This is a better story of Miss Marvel of, of Kamala, of Kamala than in the comics. I think having her have these original looking powers, which are super cool looking visually works better than her being basically Mr. Fantastic in the comics. It just, yeah. it's, it's going to be weird oh. to see in person, like seeing on live, uh, live screen or I'm sorry, live action, because we're expecting that, uh, well, no, no longer John Watts, but that new fantastic four movie that's inevitably coming, seeing it here. That's all people will be thinking about is like, that's just Mr. Fantastic. And also it's, here is our, you know, it's the first Muslim superhero to get a TV show, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal for a lot of different people. And you're like, oh, but it's just derivative powers and stuff. And it's already kind of touchy when it's the character who is already fairly derivative or passionate about Captain Marvel. 
they I think they did it super tastefully in the show. I love how the Captain Marvel aspect of it more or less falls off after a bit, except for the costume for a, a fair amount of episodes. But yeah, like I was saying, I think this story of her works better than the comics, and especially when it comes to her power set. Her being a djinn, I think, is freaking cool. It's just yeah. cool. Yeah, it's, it's a great I, idea. I just I love that. This was good on Disney Plus, good on Marvel, good on all of them. This was a great adaptation from a comic book. I yeah. also want to echo what Jay said about the visualization, the way that the powers are realized. It is super cool looking. I'm not I, I'm not as much of a comics guy. I'm more of a movie TV guy. Um, so I'm not as familiar with her, you know, uh, incarnation in the comics. To me, this is Ms. Marvel, which maybe is good or bad, depending on your point of view. But um, I love that, you know, I, I my shorthand for it, and I'm sure some comic nerd out there is like, this is incorrect. My shorthand for it is like, it's Green Lantern powers. You're, you're using Green Lantern powers. They <laughs> look awesome. Right. <laughs> I'm saying that as a compliment. When I say Green Lantern powers, I'm smiling from ear to ear because it's exciting to me. So I love that we now have someone like this, uh, at least in terms of the, the TV side of the MCU. And the, the, the effects on this are awesome. Yeah. Um, so very cool. I also I love what they're doing so far, and I hope this is uh, this will clearly be reflected in the upcoming The Marvels movie. But I love the way that they're visualizing each of them, like especially you know um, uh, Spectrum from uh, from WandaVision, right? She looked really cool when she finally had her powerful moment. It looked visually interesting here. Miss Marvel looks visually interesting. So I'm hoping to see all kinds of cool, fun eye candy like effects in the in the Marvels movie, which I'm sure we're gonna get. Yeah, and I really do appreciate that they are kind of introducing all of these characters. The one thing that I didn't love about the first few MCU shows in the when the, the new Disney Plus shows is that they're all like, okay, we're just making a show about this character who never got a movie before. We've got okay, Loki never got a movie, he gets a show. Hawkeye never got a movie, he gets a show. Wanda and Vision never got a movie, they get. And but now it's like, okay, now we're starting to be like, okay, here's new characters. Here's Moon Knight. Here's Miss Marvel. That they will become you know, obviously integrated into the larger MCU, but this is like you were saying before, uh, I can't remember which one of you guys was saying, but one of you guys was saying like, this is just another corner of the MCU. It's such a big, interesting world. It's like, okay, well, what is this, these character, what are these characters doing in Jersey city? What is, you know, what is going on in Egypt over here with Moon Knight? What is going on with, you know, Na Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen? You know, now he's going to meet Echo, whatever. Like, it's just all these, there's, it's such a humongous, expansive world and to get to see all of these interesting characters and how they are affected by the larger world. Like, she's, she doesn't meet any Avengers in this, but she's obviously affected by this big thing in the world with these Avengers, and she's such a big fan of Carol Danvers. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I thought all of that was, was really cool, and I'm excited to see where they go forward with it. Yeah, I think you nailed something that, that I'm always preaching about because I had a, I had a buddy who doesn't read comics, loves the MCU. And he was complaining, you know, when they killed Iron Man and they got rid of Cap and they're like, he was complaining. He's like, we're getting rid of all the, the, the people we like. And I'm like, dude, you don't realize, you don't realize how much you're going to love the people you don't know about. Cause it's like, mm. you're not being introduced to them yet. Like people don't know about, you know, Miss Marvel. They didn't know about Moon Knight, you know, this, the stand, the, the average person as these shows are coming out. And I'm like, do you have no idea that I'm so happy that, and it, I feel like this, the way people should be approaching this as a comic guy, it's like, I'm happy that 
the mainstream gets to appreciate the things that I've loved my whole life. And I'm happy about that. I'm not hipstery or trying to gatekeep it. I love that people are talking about Tesseracts and about mm. the Eternals and all that stuff. That's in normal conversation. You know how fortunate that is for a dork like me that <laughs> people are talking about this stuff that I used to get that had no, like there was no one that I could talk to that would understand anything that I was mentioning. And so I'm so happy that we're at this point in the MCU where a Miss Marvel can exist. And it's, you know, the, the dumb people are always going to be dumb, loud people, and I can care less what they have to say. But the people who are actually open-minded and willing to give these shows a shot are loving it. The critically and all the people who actually, if you read the actual reviews on Rotten Tomatoes from the audience, not just, oh, she's brown, she's bad. Like, none of that racist, horrible <laughs> stuff. Yeah. The real people who have things to say are loving this show. And I'm super ecstatic about that. So I just, I love that, you know, MC, I have, I'm, I'm always talking about my fatigue with Marvel in terms of just, I think too many shows, too many movies. I'm like, keep it in a vent when an MCU movie comes out. Don't do four a year, do maybe two. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. But I get, I get this is not going to happen. It's just, it's a avalanche of money and this is not going to stop. Uh, I just, I, I, I love that there is constantly new things and they're trying new things with this phase of Marvel's, you know, I didn't like Dr. Strange personally, but I like them trying something different like that. Miss Marvel, very different. Moon Knight, very different. So I don't think that people, when they mention the fatigue should ever be complaining that Marvel just does the same thing every time. Cause this phase is full of chances. I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very well said. All right. Well, uh, unless, uh, you guys, did you guys have any final like, uh, takeaways from Miss Marvel before we wrap up here completely? I just want to say to the person like me, you know, if you're out there and you're negative about this show and you don't think you're going to like it, like I'm also I'm like, I shouldn't like this show. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm a 39 year old man, like it shouldn't work, but it works. So if you like it, trust me, if you're on the fence, what I'm going to say, uh, if you're on the fence, give it a shot. Give yourself that first episode push. Because as AJ so eloquently said before, you know, everybody's favorites, the Guardians of the Galaxy now, but once upon a time, you didn't even know who they were, right? Yeah, exactly. You didn't know who they were, and now they're your favorites. So just give it give it a shot. And, and I will yeah. say I am so glad that, I, partially because of the platform, it's on Disney+, and it's such an event that everyone kind of has to watch it, and also because of the budget, that there are so many eyes on this. Because Marvel's done stuff like this in the past with their TV stuff, like Cloak and Dagger, which no one saw. I fucking <laughs> love Cloak and Dagger. Wasn't that on Hulu or something? Yeah. yeah. I'm, nobody, yeah I'm, nobody saw that shit. Cloak and it was some of the best stuff Marvel did. Dude, I and love Cloak and Dagger in the comics. Thank you. It's so cool. It's, it's so, so fucking good, but because it didn't have the budget and because it was just kind of like, you know, dumped on who... I think it was actually maybe even ABC Family or whatever the channel's called was now. It, it was probably some Tubi or some crap. I bet I can yeah. look it up. <laughs> yeah, I think it was it was, it was was on Freeform and now it's on who And then they ended <laughs> up on Hulu. Freeform. Yeah, Into that's why like nobody fucking saw it. And because okay. this is on Disney Plus... hours of Pocus Pocus and we've got a lot of Old Navy commercials. <laughs> then maybe you'll see you can watch Cloak and Dagger on Hulu now. I don't know if that's what originally aired, but you can watch it on okay. Hulu right now. Yeah. Um, so it, it's so good that this is out there and people are actually watching this stuff this time. So um, go back and watch Cloak and Dagger if you have time. I know there's a lot of stuff to watch, but 
I'm I'm glad everybody's seeing this. Uh, and well, I there guess... were 20 episodes of Cloak and Dagger. Oh my god! Yeah, it's, it's fucking it's days. fucking great. They, yeah, it, yeah, 20 episodes. I think. Wow, it was on Freeform. <laughs> I, I don't yep. think I've ever downloaded Freeform. <laughs> we're um, I'm watching Seinfeld right now, and I'm just like. Now I'm becoming very aware of the old times of network TV because a one season is like 24 episodes. Oh, yeah. Like, who has this? Are you kidding? Yeah, exactly. It's, was it on every week, year round? Jeez. <laughs> this is completely random and tendential, but I have been reading to my kid every night and we were reading Sesame Street. And there was a little mm. book we were reading that had like a little bit of history in Sesame Street. And they were like, it started in 19, I'm making up a number, like 1969. And then by 1975, they had their 1000th episode. I'm like, that's gotta be a typo. I looked <laughs> it up. They did like two episodes a day, Monday through Friday Jeez. for like a year. I'm like, oh, what kind of production is that? That's just how they did it back then. They were like, this is what we're doing. That's thousand episodes that's 70 so there was no OSHA regulations nope. or overtime or anything nope. it was like you could carry the 90 pound camera and aim it at big bird until you sweat yep. get in the big sweaty suit we got two episodes to shoot today yeah, it's please. insane yeah it's it's, it's funny because i always talk about how lot so because I always talk about how Lost was such an interesting turning point in TV, and that episode thing is one thing you can really see with that, because look yeah. at season one, and it's 20 fucking six episodes, and then, you know, Lindelof and Q's were kind of, like, fighting and fighting and fighting, and you see, like, halfway through, the last three seasons are all, like, 14 or uh, 16 episodes, because they go. were like, we... Do we want to get it? And then when Lindelof, by the time he made another show, like, it was, like, 10 episodes a season... Uh, for like three seasons and that was it and you just see the way completely tv the landscape has totally changed absolutely yeah so it would be funny to have yeah. with a one hour special that's it it's just one it's no the stranger things run. yeah two and a half exactly. hours for that finale <laughs> do the game of thrones thing where it's like oh, it's only going to be six episodes but they're all going to be movie length yeah exactly yes. that's what i am grateful though with as much as I'm overwhelmed by everything that's coming out right now between, you know, like I said, like the boys and, and, and all the Disney plus stuff, I am happy that we're in the phase of limited series, which just time-wise I'm a fan of where it's like Miss Marvel, six episodes, Obi-Wan, six episodes. The boys was like eight episodes. It's like, it's, I love how I don't have to, you know, like, like Matt was saying like 20 some odd episodes for a season. I'm happy that we're past that. Yep, oh, yeah, yep, you're yep. like exhausted by the time you get to the middle of that season. You're like, I got to do 10 more episodes of this. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it, it can be rough. There's and there's so much like uh, there was this interesting speech that I think it was the head of FX gave a couple years back. And he was talking about like he's like, there is and I think he really hit on something uh, where he's like, there is too much good TV. And what he meant by that is there is so much good TV, so much really good TV that you miss the truly great TV. And, I mean, part of the reason he was giving that speech is because the Americans kept getting passed over every fucking year for <laughs> Emmy nominations, when that's one of the greatest goddamn shows that's ever existed. Shout um, out to Carrie Russell. Yes, oh my god. <laughs> and her beautiful hair. Um, but, <laughs> that, I could go off on a whole other tangent on that, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, so it is hard to kind of, like, find the really, really great, great TV. Um, but there is, it is definitely out there. We are in the golden age of TV. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. An, it's an embarrassment of riches, man. You know, mm -hmm. like I heard today about two excellent shows that I know for a fact I'm never going to watch. 
Like, <laughs> I heard the bear is amazing, and I've heard the old man is amazing. Two FX on Hulu shows. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I'm never going to watch them. Know why? I just discovered Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and it's reminding me why I love Star Trek once upon a time. And that has 10 episodes, and I'm doing that. I'm doing my Marvel shows. I'm doing my Netflix stuff. Like, what we do in the shadows is back. It's just... It's an embarrassment of riches. Exactly. The time. A new season yeah. of uh, of Barry came out, and I'm like, it's just, I'm like, I want to, and I'm like, there's, it's the back of my of my uh, of my queue right now. There's mm-hmm. too much stuff that I have to not only just watch my own satisfaction, my wife's satisfaction, but the stupid podcast satisfaction. Like we gotta talk about Obi Wan. Thank you. When you're, when you're married, because you have shows that you share, and you're like, I gotta either wait. Or I'm like, now I'm stuck watching this show. I got 50 other shows I got to watch. What am I supposed to do? There's only so much time in the day. <laughs> Luckily, my wife bowed out of the boys with me. <laughs> episode one of the season. My wife too. My yeah, wife's like, out I can't boys. do it anymore. She's like, I've had enough. She's like, I'm doing this for you. I've been, see, like since season one, I've been doing this exclusively for you. And I'm like, well, I appreciate it. But if you're not going to watch it, I can binge this now. And we can watch Only yeah. Murders together. She's like, <laughs> My wife was like, Billy Butcher is too negative for me. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Homelander, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> she can do Roy Kent, but not Billy Butcher. That's where I get that. Hey, yeah. yeah. She has room <laughs> in her heart only for Roy Kent. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, uh, on that note, thank you then for taking the time, guys, to watch this show. Because uh, I know it is a lot. Uh, and coming on and talking about it with me, it has been so much fun to finally have you guys on have us all together talking about this stuff um but yeah if you guys want to just one more time mention where anyone can listen to you and hear any more of your thoughts about thor or any other stuff that you guys are talking about uh yeah uh, again i'm aj from genre geeks and you can find us at genre geeks everywhere except uh i think on twitter we're at genre geeks cast but we're trying to stay young and up to date so we're on the tiktoks and the instagrams mm-hmm. and stuff so active on instagram and uh actually if you want to win i i got them right here so i might as well talk about it i'm holding in my hands right now i have the everything everywhere all at once blu-ray and the everything everywhere all at once 4k walmart exclusive we're giving these away to people who are episode 100 is coming up and whoever asks us the best questions potentially win those two movies so uh we're you can find that on our instagram it's pinned at the top at genre geeks and yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because we're it's the first time me, my co-hosts Darren and Heath have recorded in the same exact room together. So yeah, GG100 is going to be coming out next month and we're very excited about it. It's going to be all Q&A, all just us talking as friends. It's not going to be our normal formatted show. So be a part of it, everyone. And thank you very much. Appreciate that. Awesome. I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> um, and I want to thank um, Derek for having me and also like... If, if it wasn't for this show, I probably would not have caught Miss Marvel. So thank you for being the push that I needed. Um, awesome. Um, it's also always fun to talk shop with this gentleman. Um, you can find me and more of me. And my, we're not always negative, but we're a little negative. Uh, we're, we're the Matt and Mark Movie Show. We're available on all, everywhere you, you stream your, your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc. Look for us on Instagram. We're very active there at the Matt and Mark Movie Show. We play a lot of fun games. We do interactive stuff. Um, we won't give anything away except <laughs> except a bunch of free complaining. So come on by <laughs> that. And I uh, also want to congratulate AJ on his 100th episode. That's very yeah, cool, man. dude. Thank you that, very that's, much. That's freaking awesome, dude. Congrats. And then uh, I'll just uh, end it by saying uh, I also uh, do another podcast called Underrated, where we talk about is a movie podcast, talk about underrated movies, 
Um, that's a lot of fun. Do that every other week with my friends Alan and Ariel. Um, I do a couple other things too with podcasting. I do. I'm a co-host on my friend Damien's show. Can I say something? Which kind of more like AJ's show, uh, John Geeks, where we just kind of it's more conversational, just kind of talk about whatever uh, nerdy talks we're talking about. And then um, we're getting ready to bring back my uh, season two of my TV show Gateway episodes, where we look at iconic or interesting episodes of a TV show and see if you want to get into it. If you want to spend that time commitment and commit to a TV show by watching one episode, uh, that's going to be coming back with season two as soon as we hit our Patreon goal. So you can check us out on Patreon, um, Undercast Company, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all the good stuff, just Undercast Company uh, on all those Um But yeah, thank you guys again so much for coming on, and uh, I'll see you guys soon.